the Opus Crash Course. I'm your host, Jessica Nesterak. The first quarter of 2020 ushered in an unprecedented time in the oil, refined products, and renewable fuels markets. A global pandemic and a global oil price war twisted together, resulting in volatility and price moves to levels not witnessed in decades. Traditional fuel, like gasoline and diesel, has undoubtedly been impacted, but the effects also spread to renewable fuel, like ethanol, a big part of the modern supply chain. Joining me today are Opus editors, Rachel Stroud Goodrich and Jordan Godwin. And I'll mention that we are remote from our respective homes. So, hey guys, how are you doing? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having us, Jessica, doing good. Let's just kick this off. It's been a very volatile time for fuel markets. Rachel, can you give us some background about what's been going on? COVID-19 has had a huge impact on consumer demand. Now there are, I will start off by saying, a lot of moving parts with all this. Things are subject to change. So this is as of about the second week in April as we record this. But air travel was one of the first places where we saw an impact from COVID-19. But then with global restrictions, with social distancing, prices for crude oil, gasoline, even other distillates have all been affected by this. And then on top of that, OPEC Plus failed to come to an agreement on how much crude oil to produce or not at its meeting in early March, and that put additional pressure on prices. Now, more recently, there was another meeting in early April where the group did reach an agreement. That meeting was really recent as of this recording, so it's sort of being digested right now, but it looks like the cuts are expected to help balance the market later this year and into 2021, but analysts expect that prices in the near term are going to continue to come under some pressure. That's the futures market. I know that there are several levels in the pricing spectrum from futures to actual physical markets. Can you, first of all, just remind us about what that means and then let us know how physical prices have been impacted by this. Gasoline and distillates are sold by refiners in large quantities regionally on what we call the spot market. And those spot market prices are represented either as a discount or a premium to the futures market. So that's compared to NYMEX RBOB futures for gasoline and comparing to NYMEX ULSD futures for distillates. So we have seen a bit of a disconnect there, actually, between the futures markets and the spot markets, where we're seeing very hefty discounts for spot barrels when compared to those futures. They're quite a bit below it. I'll give you just one example as an idea. Chicago Seabob gasoline spot prices were valued at 1.43 cents per gallon lower than our Bob futures. It's the biggest discount in five years that we've seen. And that probably just speaks to the fact that there's just no demand for physical gasoline. Yes, absolutely. That demand has been suppressed quite a bit. So I know, Jordan, Chicago is a huge market for ethanol. How have ethanol prices been behaving throughout all of this? I can do one way better than Rachel's five-year low in ethanol. We've seen (laughs) new record lows across the board in pretty much every ethanol market every region that we assess at Opus. There for the last week of March, it was like every day we were getting a new record low, a level that we've never seen before, especially the key Chicago Argo ethanol market, which is kind of the main hub for the ethanol industry because it's kind of in the center of the heartland there where most of the corn is grown and most of the ethanol is produced. We've been tracking that market for nearly 17 years at Opus, and we got to a level where we were like, 
30 cents below the previous low that was hit way back in 2003. So definitely uncharted territory. And all of that stems from the fact that ethanol in the U.S. is very closely tied to gasoline demand and pricing. And that's because of the renewable fuel standard, the law that essentially mandates that ethanol blends and gasoline stick with about 10%. So like I said, that pricing and that demand is certainly very closely linked with its gasoline. So how has all of this incredible price volatility and epically low pricing impacted the production of gasoline and distillates and ethanol. Rachel, do you want to start off with just the traditional fuel markets? It definitely has impacted production on the traditional fuel markets. What you have to understand is refineries have a few different levers that they can use to adjust their yields. That's to say how much of which type of fuel is produced from a given barrel of crude oil. So initially what they did was shift away from the jet fuel and the gasoline toward producing other distillates, which were still more profitable. So they kind of shifted what they were producing, what percentages, but there really are limits to how much those yields can be adjusted. So when production couldn't shift anymore, that's when we started to see run cuts, which is where refineries just process fewer barrels of crude oil overall, as well as we started to see some idled refineries, some adjustments to planned maintenance schedules as well. How about ethanol, Jordan? Ethanol has a kind of interesting backstory in how it rolled into this coronavirus issue. Because for years, ethanol producers have been all about more, more, more. How much more can we produce? How much more product can we provide and supply to the market as much as possible? Over the past year or two, we finally reached that point where we were really producing more than we could even blend domestically and more than we could possibly even export abroad. So margins were pretty rough in 2019. And there at the end of 2019, they started to finally see the light at the end of the tunnel, a glimmer of hope where margins were starting to improve a little bit. So there in January and February, we saw really strong production rates near nationwide capacity levels just in time for coronavirus to land and really devastate margins all over again and send them down to levels, like I said, we've never seen before. So a lot of ethanol producers have had no choice but to slow rates substantially, idle their plants, and even in some cases shut down entirely and lay off staff. So Production rates as of this recording are off by about 40% and could see deeper cuts as demand continues to fall off. Now, I know ethanol itself is an alcohol, and I know that alcohol is pretty precious right now, not just at happy hour time, but as a cleanser and as a hand sanitizer. And I read a story recently about some producers starting to tip some of their slates toward making non-fuel use ethanol. Is that something that is a big trend in the market right now? We've seen probably a dozen, maybe two dozen of our 200 some odd ethanol producers switch their grades to being able to provide a medical grade pure ethanol that you can use and hand sanitizer production. But frankly, even in this highly germophobic stay at home pandemic, there's no way that soap could ever possibly hold a candle to fuel demand. And also, I should add, a lot of those producers have been donating that supply. So that's been kind of a Nice story in this chaos. How has the change in production slates for traditional fuel and for renewable fuels impacted storage levels and inventory levels? In terms of the traditional fuels, definitely storage has become a concern. If you're looking at the EIA data from early April, gasoline and crude oil inventories have just surged. 
and prices for crude oil are currently so low and there's contango in the market, which means that prices in the future are running stronger than our current prices. So it makes more sense for market participants to store that crude oil now and then sell it in the future. How about with ethanol, Jordan? I've had some ethanol traders joke to me in the past that U.S. ethanol producers almost have their own kind of little OPEC situation where they tend to produce way too much. So there's been frequent infighting and finger pointing over this lack of production discipline that has, like I said earlier, greatly outpaced the demand that we can consume. So coming into this situation, supplies were already pushing very close to their record levels, levels that we've never seen before in this industry. And the coronavirus really just became the final straw. And since then, we've seen inventories push over 25 million, 26 million, even 27 million barrels for the first time ever. So we're way, way out there right now. What was already a pretty ugly situation in the ethanol industry and forest supplies got a whole lot uglier. How will this ugliness eventually play itself out at the street level when it comes to retail gasoline prices? Demand is terrible. What is the outlook for right now? And is there any silver lining for people who sell gasoline at a retail station? Volumes are way down. If we're looking at the first week of April, Opus's Demand Pro data showed that nationally volumes were down by nearly half when compared to the same week last year. But You know, when we look at it, you're right. We need to, in addition to looking at the consumer demand, we also have to look at how profitable it is for the retailers to make a sale. So if we're looking at rack to retail margins, essentially the difference between what the retailer paid for the fuel and the price that they're going to sell that fuel at, those margins initially soared to record highs because of the sudden steep price drops for the spot and the rack markets. So they were able to buy it for basically nothing and sell it still at a somewhat higher price. Exactly. And I will say that after that initial spike, those rack-to-retail margins have come off some. They're expected to continue to fall. But just to kind of give you an idea, a sense of what those retailers may be paying for their gas, if we're looking at certain areas in the Midwest and the Rocky Mountains, those rack prices where the retailers get their fuel from, those rack prices for E10 gasoline have fallen into the teens in some locations, so below 20 cents per gallon. Now, that's a 10% ethanol blend. How about some of the more ethanol-rich blends of fuel, Jordan? Yes. So whereas gasoline and distillates can look upstream to crude oil pricing to kind of base how low their pricing can possibly go, ethanol has to look up to its feedstock corn pricing. So Corn can only go so cheap at the moment. It kind of reminds me of that old Gin Blossom song, I'll follow you down, but not that far. (laughs) As a child of the 90s, I do appreciate that. So thank you. (laughs) So gasoline, actually, the price difference that we've seen on ethanol and gasoline for the first time in three years, gasoline is now cheaper than ethanol. So what that means when gasoline is cheaper than ethanol is that these higher blends of ethanol, be it E30, E85 is a pretty big market, especially in the Midwest and California. Those higher blends of ethanol were really starting to take off last year. And now, just as they're building up some momentum, you have the coronavirus hit. Now ethanol is more expensive than gasoline. And if this relationship is sustained for a prolonged period, you really can't expect retailers and consumers to necessarily flock to these higher blends of ethanol when it simply doesn't make sense anytime soon. 
as markets editors, clearly, Rachel and Jordan, you have never covered a market during a pandemic before. Is there anything that stands out as particularly notable for you during this very unique time? Things really crashed and prices came off so quickly. And I really expected it just to be down, down, down. And we see prices just make that steady sort of downward shift. But day to day, there is so much volatility. So it's not to say, you know, just because prices are down doesn't mean that on a given day, we might not see gasoline or distillates jump by five cents higher, eight cents higher, 11 cents higher, whatever it might be. You know, it's just some days are up, some days are down. It's super volatile. And I was really surprised to see that. One of the ways I try to keep track of volatility in the market is using Opus's spot ticker. Rachel, I know that that's a product that you're very closely associated with, and it kind of helps you keep track of not just gasoline and diesel prices, but also ethanol as well. If you're interested in checking that out, please visit info.opusnet.com slash podcast dash ticker. Okay, so Jordan, what have you noticed in the market? That's a great point. And to mention the spot ticker, we also input our values for renewable identification number. Those are the RINs credits under the RFS program. So we input those values as frequently as possible throughout the day. And if you, for some reason, had a Rip Van Winkle moment over the past month, and fell asleep a month ago, and then got back on your spot ticker. The first thing when you wake up, of course, that's the first thing you do. You look at your spot. You wake up from a one-month slumber. <laughs> <laughs> look at the spot ticker. You would notice that the rents values are pretty flat, almost exactly the same as they were a month ago. So whereas everything at pretty much virtually every commodity everywhere else in energy has been very apocalyptic. You know, the sky is falling over the past month. These compliance credits, the RINs under the RFS and the LCFS credits under California's fuel standard have actually been pretty immune from the fallout here. That's probably been a function of that they're so heavily reliant on policy action. They don't really follow the traditional market dynamics like a lot of these other products that we cover do. One range trader even told me they're like cockroaches in a nuclear war, which is a pretty funny way to think about their resilience in these very strange times. Well, we could all use a little bit of resilience and a little bit of stability right now. (laughs) Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Stay well, both of you, above all. And let's revisit this topic soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you. For more insights on the 2020 oil market, make sure you subscribe to the Opus Crash Course podcast wherever you connect. Now is a great time to catch up on episodes you may have missed. So be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and SoundCloud. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Mm